Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. I love being at Southeastern Seminary. This is such a happy place. And, and it's a happy place because it's focused in the right place. Like, thank you. Danny Aiken, not just for leading the seminary around the Great Commission, but organizing your life around the Great Commission. And praise God for you and Charlotte and your family. Their influence in my life and family really can't be estimated. And the influence of others in this room. I was having dinner with Jim Shaddix last night. I'm indebted to him for his investment in my life over 20 years. I look at this faculty like I could spend the rest of this time talking about different ones of them. I think about Southeastern Seminary. This is like the, the warriors used to be, like with Steph, Clay, Draymond, Iguodala, and KD. Like this seminary is stacked with leaders who love God, his word, his church, and the lost around the world. Which, by the way, side note, real quick, uh, Clint Clifton is with me today. He leads our church planting uh, network around Metro DC, and he's meeting today with anybody who's interested and in learning more about how you can be a part of gospel work uh, in DC, spring break, April 3rd through 6th, road trip. So if you want more info, you can meet Clint in the missions building right after chapel. Let me invite you, if you have a Bible, uh, to open with me to Psalm 8 and to pull out, uh, so you You've hopefully received a copy of Psalm 8 when you came in. Let me encourage you to pull that out as well. And if you have something to write with or can borrow something from someone, uh, let me encourage you to do that. So I have one aim in my time with you today. And that aim is to encourage you to devote your life to prayer and the ministry of the word. As a student, as a teacher, as a pastor, as a church leader, as a missionary, to devote your life to prayer and the ministry of the word. Exactly what Acts 6, how Acts 6 puts it. Maybe another way to put it, I want to exhort you today to devote your life to intercession for God's power and meditation on God's Word. Or maybe if I were to ask this as a question, I would ask you, in your life and ministry right now, in your home, in your church, in the seminary, is your life and ministry right now marked by intercession for God's power? And is your life and ministry right now marked by meditation on God's Word? And I ask these questions, even with those words, because in my life and the church I have the privilege of pastoring, I am seeing things happen right now that I can only attribute to intercession for God's power and meditation on God's Word. About a year ago, in our church, we began having all-night or late-night prayer gatherings, uh, either from 8 to midnight or 12.30 on Friday nights or some Friday nights from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Saturday morning. 
And these have quickly become my favorite times as a pastor. So I'm ashamed to say, up until a year ago, I had never been a part of an all-night prayer gathering. But now I'm wondering why in the world I've not led the church in this way before. Like, I've totally missed it. And since we started praying like this, we have seen more people come to know Christ and be baptized in the last year than I've ever seen before in a church I've been a part of. And I'm not gonna share numbers because I know how infatuated people can be with numbers. I'll just say it has been awesome and clear. It's been clear the only explanation behind why is that we've been praying and God has been answering. We've been praying and more recently, simply just meditating on God's words. We began 2020 with 40 days of prayer and fasting together as a church. Not necessarily everybody fasting every day during that time, but encouraging the church to fast and pray intentionally during the first 40 days of the year. And as a church, during that time, we read through just a psalm each day together. Then that Sunday, I would take one of those psalms and I would just try to model meditation on God's word in such a way that our, our people would learn how to meditate on God's word all week long. And it's been awesome. Like, I just feel like I'm seeing the Bible come alive in people's lives like I've not seen before as a pastor. And more people come to know Christ in the process from all kinds of backgrounds, like secular, Jewish, Greek Orthodox, Muslim, nominal Christian, atheist, agnostic. I think about the first, first week of this year, our first kind of Sunday in this 40 days, we just opened up Psalm 1, we just meditated on it, just really simply together. Like, I'm just trying to show them how to soak in the Bible. And I think one woman, her second time ever in church, she comes, she's alone with her two kids, hurt in so many ways by this world, won't go into all the details, but basically thinking about ending her life. And she sits down, and we just walk through Psalm 1, and she is floored. And she comes and says, I need Jesus in my life. And she gets baptized along with like 16 others that day. It was just Psalm 1. I, th I think about Martin Luther. I remember when he was asked about what he did to see such massive reformation in the church, and he said, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And then while I slept, I drank Wittenberg beer with my Philip Melanchthon and Nicholas von Emsdorf. The word so greatly weakened the papacy that never a prince or emperor did such damage to it. I did nothing, the word did it all. Now, I wanna be clear, I'm not drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> I'm actually not drinking any beer. But, like, I'm just seeing the word do the work. So here's what I wanna to do today. Much like we've been doing, in our church just Sunday after Sunday, I wanna just lead you for the next few minutes to meditate on God's word with me. So hopefully you've got this picture Psalm 8. And you see at the bottom of that sheet, you see this is an acrostic we use, uh, maps uh, in our church just to describe how we encourage people to experience intimacy with God on a daily basis through his word. So we have a Bible reading plan we walk through together and we'll just take, so it's split up into different readings each day. We just encourage people, okay, take today's reading first, meditate and memorize. So read God's word slowly, let it soak in, like circle 
words, underline phrases, make notes, like connections, just devour God's word, like every word, like your life depends on it, because it does. And then we encourage them to write down the point of the passage in a sentence, and then maybe write down or circle a verse they could memorize. I would, I would argue memorization is one of the most practical ways we can meditate on Scripture, just soaking it in until it literally becomes a part of you. So we meditate and memorize, then we apply, so to write down at least one way you can apply this passage to your life. Think head, heart, hands. It's where we just, how does this passage change the way you think, how you desire, how you act, then leading into pray, so writing down a prayer based on this passage. Think, we use this acrostic, P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield. So how does this word lead you to do that? So trying to teach people just to pray the word, which leads finally to S, which is just writing down a specific way you can share any of the above with someone else. Uh, so what I want to do today in our few minutes is just lead us to do this first part, to meditate. So in just a minute, I want us to read this text out loud together. And then I want to give you, so what we've been kind of doing on, on Sundays is just giving a little bit of space. So I'm going to give you about three minutes on your own where you're sitting just to soak in this passage. Just you, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. So do not pull out your study Bibles and your logos. Like, that is not what we're doing right now. This is just, you just read it, maybe circle words, phrases that seem important. Look at how the psalm flows. Note anything that repeats that might clue you into the meaning of the psalm. So I'll stop there. That's more than enough for three minutes. So I want to give you a couple minutes on your own, and then I want us to think about it together. Like, what is God saying to us? in this gathering right now through his word. So let's start by reading it out loud together, and I think we'll have it up here on the screen as well. There we go. All right, let's read it out loud all together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh, let's pray. God, we pray that in the next few minutes we would experience you through your word. We pray that you would speak us as we soak in every word that we just read, and we know that we are dependent on your Holy Spirit for this, and you've promised your Holy Spirit for this, so open our eyes, 
open our eyes in fresh ways to what you are saying to us here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, take just a couple minutes there on your own. Maybe, I don't know if we can put a little music on in the background or something. Kind of set the mood. Uh, If we can't, it's fine. It just makes it a little less awkward. Totally silent. I forgot to ask you about that. All right, take a couple minutes. Just make some notes. A little uh, circle words, underlined phrases. Just how does the psalm flow? You, You do it. Follow the leadership of the Spirit. Go for it. Let me start to bring us back together. I know that's like woefully insufficient amount of time, but this is one of the things I'm loving. Just like we've just been given like folks a little bit of space on in our Sunday gatherings, and just seeing them just really look at the word. I got to show you this. These are notes from an eight-year-old boy in our church from a sermon a couple weeks ago in Psalm 23. Like. Uh, so I want you to see, do you see all that he's circling in there? Like all these like notes he's making in there? And then now you also notice there's some Star Wars or like a, a TIE fighter. 
that had nothing to do with the sermon. I, I have not watched Star Wars. I don't know anything about it, but well, look where it all ends up. I'm the good shepherd. As long as it lands on Jesus, we are good. So anyway, his parents just sent me this to say how encouraged they were to see their eight-year-old their, their eight just engaging with God's word in worship. So anyway, all right, let's look at Psalm 8. So did you notice anything that this psalm repeats that might clue us in to the meaning of the psalm? First verse and last verse, right? So... There's, there's obvious repetition there. So, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That seems to be a pretty primary theme in this psalm. So let's just camp out on this verse for a moment. So, O Lord, our Lord. Now, you put those two names for God next to each other. Do you notice the difference between the two? Right? One is small, capital L, and then it's actually small caps, O-R-D, and the other one's capital L, lowercase O-R-D. This is where it's helpful to remember that whenever we see the small caps, O-R-D, translated in the English that way, that we're looking at Yahweh in the original language, the name God revealed himself to Moses as when he was delivering them out of Egypt. Moses said, who will I tell them sent me to you? Tell them I am Yahweh sent me to you that I am who I am, meaning I'm the one who was and is and is to come and is, is here to help deliver you from your slavery and your suffering. So that's the name for God that's translated with capital L, then small cups ORD, but then the second time we see it, capital L, lowercase ORD, when usually when we see Lord like this in the Old Testament, it's usually the word Adonai, which is more like a title for God, like king. So we got Yahweh is the first time, and then Adonai the second time, more like a title for God, the sovereign one. So if you put those two together, think of like a king, King Edward. So Edward would be his name, king would be his title. So the picture here, the psalmist is saying, oh Yahweh, the Lord who was and is and is to come, who has power to deliver us by his love. And then he says, oh Lord, our Lord. So there's a personal relationship here. It's not just you're the Lord, it's you're our Lord. You're our king. God, you are Yahweh. You're the one who was and is and is to come throughout all history. You've seen your people and their suffering and by your power, you have been their help. So even just that, I was thinking about it this morning. I know in a room this size, there are people walking through struggle and suffering in different ways. I mentioned some of the awesome things we're seeing in our church right now. I would also add that there's been a variety of sleepless nights recently because of struggles we're walking through as a church. And I just share that to encourage you when you see this picture here uh, in the middle of challenges that you walk through right now in your life, your ministry, your church, maybe your family, you can look up and know that the Lord God is your helper. That Yahweh, he is your Lord. He's yours. Like, maybe that's the word to encourage many hearts. Just the fact that this is your God. That the one whose name is majestic in all the earth is your God. 
He's your Lord. He's the one we're meeting with right now. So this is where I would just be encouraging our church. Like if, if you and I are alone right now, just meditating on this, like we're four words in and we are on our knees. Just realizing like we're, we are meeting with, even right now in this gathering, we are meeting with the Lord King over all, whose majesty is over all the earth, and we have the privilege of gathering together before him in his presence right now. And he's speaking to us. And don't get over that. I think about my quiet time this morning. Like I was meeting with God. Like sure, he was upholding Mars at the same time and like seven billion other people in the world, but he was listening to me as I was pouring out my heart to him, pleading for his help. He was listening to me and he was speaking to me. It's an awesome thought. So, and we want to exalt his majesty. Like we want his majesty in all the earth, right? This is how Jesus taught us to pray. And our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your what? your name in all the earth. This is where we encourage our folks, like when it comes to this maps acrostic, it's not just step one, step two, step three, four. Like you start to meditate, it'll lead you to pray. Like you're not even a verse in and you're on your face before God. So but we, got, we got to move on. All right. You got to get through at least one verse. So you have set your glory above the heavens. So God's glory is above the heavens beyond what we can see or imagine. Now, did anybody notice this word glory is repeated another time in the psalm? What verse? Five, right? So over in verse five, it says, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory. Now that's interesting because that's not talking about God right there, but we'll get back to that when we get to verse five. Let's just kind of hold on to that for a minute. So circle glory in both those places. Now, let's keep going. Let's keep going in verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. So what is that saying? What does that mean? I'll go and tell you, there's, there's a lot of difficulty in understanding this particular verse, a few different ideas about how it fits into the overall point of the psalm. But instead of getting caught up on what's maybe less clear, let's think about what is clear. What do we know we can learn from this verse? Well, one, God's strength, right? God's strength, his power are evident in the mouths of babies and infants. So God's strength is evident. Even little babies who can do nothing but babble are in some sense a picture of God's strength and power. And anyone who's ever seen a baby born, like the miracle of birth, knows that is a picture of the power of God who formed that baby inside that womb. And then, so another thing that's clear in this verse is that God has foes. He has enemies who are against him, people who oppose God. And this verse says, these people will be stilled. So foes, enemies, avengers will be stilled. So these things we know, God's strength, power, evident in babies and infants, God's enemies will be stilled. So some think the picture here is how the strength and power of God is evident in something as simple as a little baby and greater than the strength and power that God's enemies could ever portray in all their might. You can't help but to think about Jesus being born as a baby in a stable. King Herod with all the power of the Roman Empire at his disposal, cowering in fear. 
But let's keep moving on, see if we get any more clues to what this mean, behind what this means. Verse three says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. That is an awesome verse. Like when I look at your heavens, which he then describes as the moon and the stars. So when I look at the moon and the stars, I realize they are the work, listen to this, just think about this phrase, the work of your fingers. The heavens, the moon and the stars are the work of your finger. It's like, they're like your artwork. Let me, let me show you my artwork. There's a person and a house. That's really not to scale. Uh, <laughs> there's the sun, also not to scale. Trees. So, all right. So I'm, I'm guessing you could maybe do a little better artwork than that. But, uh, well, let me show you what God can do. So on a recent trip up in the Himalayas, these are pictures that we took. That's the work of his fingers. How about this one? Watch this. This is, this is a time lapse through the night that happened right above us. Watch this. Did you see that one in the end? Did you? Did you I'm going to show it to you one more time. Like, you, you cannot miss this. Like, watch this. Like, this, this really happened. Watch this. It's going to happen, like, right over here somewhere there. Smoke. <laughs> I dropped a mic. This is, this, is, this is what happened. That was the moment. Like, that is not a doctored picture. Like, that <laughs> happened above us. This is the work of God's fingers. It's just his artwork. He, he set all those stars in place you see there. Like, scientists tell us there's like 100 billion stars in our galaxy. Our galaxy is one of about a million galaxies that we can see with our best telescopes, every one of them filled with billions upon billions of other stars. What does Isaiah 40 say? Our God brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. By his great power, mighty strength, not one of them is missing. But by name. Bob. <laughs> There's Mary. There's Oh, this one right here, that's Q14369er. I don't know what their names are, but our God knows their names. He's got them all named. He has set them in place. Does this not just lead your soul to worship? When I look at, so now just come back. When I look at your heavens, like they're yours. They belong to you. They're the work of your fingers. You have set them in place. They're repetition there. They're yours. You've done this. This is your artwork. So now, now we get to verse 4. In light of this awe, now feel the wonder of this verse. In light of the glory of God in and above the heavens, what is man that you, the same you, are mindful of him. Parallel, like the son of man, that you care for him. Oh, now, this makes sense to all of us, doesn't it? Like when you see scenes like I just showed from the sky, you stand underneath the night sky like that, don't you think like, who am I 
Uh, you think about the globe, think about seven billion people on it, billions and billions of stars above. It's just so vast, so big, you feel so small. Like you don't stand on one of those mountains in the Himalayas, look up and think, I feel so huge right now. Like, no, you're like, I feel so tiny. I feel so small, so even insignificant. But this is where I want us to see the wonder of the psalm, because that's not the conclusion of God's word. The conclusion here is not the heavens are so majestic and that makes me so insignificant. No, the conclusion of this psalm is actually the opposite. What is man? Who am I that you, the same, you who, this is the work of your fingers, all belongs to you, and you are mindful of me? The son of man that you care for me? It's just, this is what blows the psalmist away here. Not ultimately the work of the heavens, God's fingers, as astounding as that is, what's astonishing is that God is mindful of man, like man is on his mind. You and I are what's on God's mind? He's always thinking about us, you and me. Not just thinking about us, mindful of us, but cares for us. Like he's concerned for us such that he provides for us. So the picture is what the psalm's teaching about who God is. He is majestic over all the earth. His glory is above the heavens. The work of his fingers is all over the heavens. And all his glory, you know what he thinks about? He thinks about you and me. He desires to care for you and me. This is astounding. Hey, don't, don't read fast through the Bible. Read slow through the Bible and let this soak in. And it gets even more astounding. So go to verse five. You, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with the glory and honor. Now, we won't spend a ton of time on heavenly beings. We can talk about that. There's some debate about exactly what that's referenced to. So obviously God is a heavenly being, uh, but there's only one of him. Our angels are heavenly beings. So we know this is a picture of you and me, man and women, made just a little lower than angels or even God himself, which sounds like an overstatement. Wait, did you mean to say that? Do you read this next phrase? You have crowned him with glory. So there it is again. Same word we saw back up in verse 1. When the psalmist said, you set your glory above the heavens. So God's glory is above the heavens, but now we see that God's glory is also on the earth. In man. In you and me. And this is truly breathtaking and life-changing. You want to see the glory of God on display? Yes, go outside at night, look up at the stars, stand in awe. You know what's even easier? Look at the person sitting next to you. They are God's glory on display. Look at the people in your home. They're God's glory on display. Look at the people where you work. They're God's glory on display all over this campus. 
God's glory on display. Look at the people in that store or that restaurant today, the gas station or the gym this week. You will see God's glory on display in all of them. The Bible teaches God has made men and women in his image as a reflection of his glory, which is why I say this truth is not just breathtaking, it's life-changing, because when you realize all people are made in God's image, crowned with glory and honor, then racism is detestable to you. You work to honor all people, no matter what they look like or where they have immigrated from. Now abortion is abhorrent to you because a little baby in a mother's womb is crowned with glory and honor. Now injustice of all kinds is intolerable to you because you actually believe that every person around you and every person in the world is crowned with glory and honor and that totally changes the way you live. And not just when you think about other people, So now, this is where things go a step deeper, get really breathtaking, life-changing. You wanna see the glory of God on display? Look in the mirror. Some in this room look in the mirror and one of your first thoughts is disappointment in what you see. Or at the very least, faults in what you see. And I want to remind you today, straight from the word of God himself, that you look in the mirror and see you are crowned with glory and honor by God. God, the God of the universe, is mindful of you. He cares for you. He's crowned you with glory and honor. You do not need this man or that woman, this person or that person to accept or acknowledge you in this way or that because you are crowned with glory and honor by God. So contrary to what science would tell us, we are not created a little higher than the animals. We're created a little lower than angels, a little lower than God himself. And in this way, we have inherent divine glory and honor and responsibility so uh, we gotta move on there's so much here verse 6 goes on to say you've given him dominions dominion over the works of your hands you've put all things under his feet so dominion like authority under his feet there's things under so this is picture we have from the very beginning of the bible right that god's entrusted responsibility in the world to his divine image bearers, you and me, to live and lead in such a way that we display his honor and glory in the world around us. So God has given us responsibility to reflect his goodness, his honor, his love, his justice, his character, his glory to the world around us. That, whole nother life-changing, we could dive in more there, but you and I called to reflect the glory of God to creation around us. All creation, verses seven and eight. So bring it back around, verse nine. O Lord, our Lord, here it is again, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh, see the picture through, like our lives created, your life created. And this just, just 
This should give you an extra skip in your step when you walk out of chapel today. You're walking out crowned with glory and honor by God and commissioned to reflect his majesty, his character, his love, his compassion, his justice, his goodness, his glory in all the earth. So that we might go to Nepal, the coal people of India, 1.7 million of them, 0.0% followers of Jesus. We might make his majesty known among them. At which point you might say, Platt, why do you have to make everything a mission sermon? And my answer is, because this is a missions book. This is a book about a God whose name is majestic in all the earth. And if there's 6,000 people groups who still don't know his name, then our responsibility on this earth is to change that and to make the majesty of his name known among them. Which, by the way, is what the gospel is all about. The nations might know the majesty of the God who is mindful of them. He's not just mindful of you, he's mindful of the coal people. So don't miss the big picture here. Everyone in the world, including us, created by God, crowned with glory and honor, made in his image, yet we've all sinned against God, rebelled against God, God's image in us marred by sin. This is the beauty of the gospel, the good news, that God has not left us alone in our sin. God has come to us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. He lived as a man, a life among us with no sin. Then even though he had no sin to die for, he chose to die on the cross, to suffer on the cross for our sin. You say, where do you get that in Psalm 8? Well, I take you to Hebrews 2 a chapter that quotes straight from Psalm 8, Hebrews 2, verse 6. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Sound familiar? But we, who's, we, we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus, God in the flesh, a man who lived the life we could not live and died the death we deserve to die for us. I gotta tell you this story. Two weeks ago, I was flying out of town. I had to change my flight around last minute. Only flight I could get was a 5 a.m. out of the airport in Baltimore, which is about an hour drive from my house in Metro DC. That meant I needed to get in an Uber at like three in the morning, which I was not thrilled about. So I groggily get into this car within about five minutes of conversation with the driver from the Middle East. He asked me what I do. I tell him I'm a pastor. He says, I need to tell you a story. He starts telling me. Now this man's Muslim. You know, Muslims believe Jesus was a good man, a prophet but not God in the flesh. They think it's preposterous that God would be born as a baby. Well, he starts telling me that he had a vision one night of a little baby who was talking as clear as an adult. And the baby said to him, looked him in the eye and said to him, do not question or underestimate what God can do. And he basically says to me, do you know what this vision means? 
As a side note, my middle name is Joseph, but <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I know what that means. Like, here's what it means. God loves you, and God has done the unthinkable. He has come to you and me to pay the price for our sins by dying on the cross. So keep in mind, Muslims don't believe Jesus died on a cross. I said, Jesus is God in the flesh, and he's died on the cross for you, for your sins, so you can have a relationship with God. He's like crying. In, in the front there, he's like apologizing. He's wiping tears. I'm like, you don't have to apologize as long as you keep your eyes on the road. Like, don't apologize. Like, because I'm in the back here crying too. He's like, this is unreal. I'm like, this is unreal. Like, I don't feel like I'm in an Uber anymore. I'm like in an Ethiopian chariot. Like, where's, where's the river that we're going to ride by? In a second, we get to the airport. I just said, do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus is God in the flesh who came to die for your sins? Are you willing to follow him like starting today in your life? He said, yes, I believe this. I want to follow Jesus. Is that not, is that not amazing? Like, and here's the deal. Like, like, who gets the credit for that story? Like, I certainly don't. I didn't even want to be in the car. And, like, and that's not the only story like it. Like, I heard two stories this last week of Muslims showing up at our church saying, I had a dream and I'm here because I want to follow Jesus. One woman, I'll close with this. The Sunday that I preached Psalm 8, I'm out in the lobby after one of the services. She comes up to me with tears in her eyes. She's from the Middle East, tells me she's Muslim. She says, I don't know why I'm even here, but God told me I needed to come here. I've never been here before. God told me just come to this church and I don't know why I'm here, but I just listened to what you said from the Bible, and I think I need Jesus in my life. So I connect her with one of our staff members whose uh, family is also from the Middle East, and they talk for the next hour, and this Muslim woman was baptized as a follower of Jesus. So I, I share these stories. Don't miss the point. Like, who gets the credit for the, these things? Like, God told her to come here. She sits down, just listens to a simple walk through Psalm 8, and the Word does the work, and she comes to salvation in Christ. That's what I mean when I say I have one aim today, to exhort you to devote yourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Devote yourselves to intercession for God's power. And devote yourselves to meditation on God's Word and see what God does for his glory. So, God, I, I pray, I pray this over even my, my own life, church, and I pray this over every life, family, church, ministry represented in this room to help us. And it's all the things we are prone to devote ourselves to. Help us to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of your word. And, and we pray that you would work in and through us, pray that you would work in and through lives all across this room, churches all across this room, in ways that only you can receive the glory for. Oh God, use our lives, use our leadership in your church to make your majesty known in all the earth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.